Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today we're going to talk to a man who was diagnosed with brain and central nervous system cancer. But just before Christmas, he received some fantastic news, a clear brain scan. And joining us from British Columbia, Canada, to tell us his story is Gina DeRose and his wife, Ariel. Gino, tell us about the day just before Christmas when you got the good news, you had a clear brain scan. Good morning, guys. So it actually didn't start out the greatest. <laughs> we came back from, from a little weekend getaway to Leavenworth. And uh, when we got back on December 7th, I actually had a seizure. So what happened was I ended up getting sent to Penticton to get scanned and everything like that. And we were there for hours. So as you know, sitting in a hospital waiting for any sort of news is just the worst ever. It feels like an eternity. But anyways, the doctor came over and he was the one that I saw previously. And he, he looked at me and just shook my hand. And we were both just like kind of, you know, confused as to why. And he was like, I remember you. I, I have your scan results here. And I have amazing news. He said, your tumors in your brain have shrunk to a point where we cannot see them in the CT scan. And Ariel and I basically dropped to our knees in tears of happiness because hearing that was amazing. I just broke out in goosebumps all over. <laughs> That's like- <laughs> Oh, yeah. It was, it was the most amazing news. And, and looking at her and, and thinking about my children and everything like that, I'm like, this is why I'm fighting. This is why I'm, I'm defying the odds of, of what this particular tumor is. And, uh, you know, they're, they're my driving force. And everybody that's helped me through this, like this town is incredible. They've come together to help us out. And, I mean, the support behind us is incredible. And I'm getting through this. And when, I, when the doctor told me that he can't see it in the CT, that right there was the last turning point that got me to i'm not sweating the little things i'm living life to its fullest because i just got another chance at life I, I just got a chance to watch my children grow up and and be there for my wife and this and that you know and i i i couldn't be happier i this is incredible you know it's i can smile it, you you probably couldn't slap the smile off my face <laughs> <laughs> so after the last time you saw him was Three months prior, Giovanni was walking with the king, and we were there because he was in so much pain, he didn't know what to do with himself. Yeah, I couldn't sleep, couldn't sit, couldn't do anything. I, I could hardly walk from my door to our vehicle. And you could, you could see the sadness in the doctor's eyes at that time, being like, I don't know what else to do with you, but to give you more morphine. And then we see him three months later, and he, he shakes his hand, and he's like, 
I don't normally give good news and I don't normally hug people. And especially this time of year. Merry Christmas to me. Yeah, and he literally dropped his clipboard and everything and gave me a huge hug. Oh, that's great. That was such a great feeling. And you're a relatively young guy, aren't you? How old are you? Yeah, I just turned 35 on September 21st. 35. Now, take us back to the beginning of your story. When did some of your health issues first crop up and before you were originally diagnosed? This actually started a long time ago. It actually started when I was six years old. That's when I had my first brain tumor. Wow. So, yeah. So my parents didn't know what was going on. I had headaches that would make migraines seem like a little poke with a pin. And so that was happening and I was putting so much pressure in my brain because it was growing so fast that it actually made my eyes go out. So they didn't go cross-eyed, they were going out. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk. I couldn't grab door handles. And that's when they knew something was wrong. So my mom rushed me to Penticton. The doctors didn't know what was going on, anything like that. So she took me to an optometrist. And he was checking me out, doing everything. And he was actually the one that said, this child has a brain tumor. You need to get him to Vancouver now. So that's when they called the chopper and, and said, we got to get him there. So at that point, my dad was in a full-on panic. He owned his company in the coast, but we lived in, in Oliver at the time. He drove up, beating any sort of medical vehicles or anything like that, and back and took me to Children's Hospital before any medical personnel was there. It was unreal. Like, when you have a devastated father, don't get in the way. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'll I'll keep going on that. They, They took me to Children's Hospital, and that's when they gave me the scan. And they were shocked at the size of this tumor in my brain. It was massive. And I was into surgery within days. And I don't know, Ariel, can you show them the scar there? Yeah. I don't know if you guys can see it on the camera, the big one. Oh, a little, yeah. little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. my hair's a little longer right now, so it's harder to see. But that was the initial one. So that, that's literally this whole side that they took off because the brain tumor was in a tiny little head like that was the size of a golf ball. Mm-hmm. And a size of a golf ball in a, in a five-year-old's head at the time? yeah unbelievable so the headaches were brutal which is why they got me in right away they didn't want to drug me up or anything like that so they said let's get this kid in for surgery went in for surgery spent months in the hospital which i have got to say the children's hospital in vancouver absolutely incredible the doctors the nurses everybody there was fantastic. So I, I went through the process there with my, with the healing, the scans, this and that. I had 58 staples in my head. And, and then I finally got to go home. At that point, we were in the clear. I got, I had clear scans for the five years that they wanted to do every month, then three months, six months, and then I was in the clear. So 27 years later, that takes us to, it was actually, April when I started getting the headaches and whatnot and it was bringing back memories and I knew I knew that's what it was I knew the brain tumor was back I didn't want to say anything to anybody because I didn't want to freak them out so 
I went to the hospital. When I went there, I ended up spending eight hours there waiting. And I probably, you know, had a half a dozen Tylenol just to try and get through it. That's how bad my headaches were at this point. So I went in, talked to the doctor finally. And that's when he took me in for the CT. And then when I came back, he brought me in and the tumor had grown to the size of a golf ball again. The, the thing that he said to me was, you have a cavity there where your brain tumor was when you were a child. So your brain tumor just looks like a ball. There were no fingers mm-hmm. coming off of it, which was, which in my opinion worked out in my favor because I couldn't finger into my brain. Mm-hmm. So, so he, he told me that I had a brain tumor and at that point it was one o'clock in the morning. And I went outside and I jumped in my truck and just started yelling because that's not what I wanted. I knew I just had a gut feeling that it was cancer too. I didn't want to say anything, but of course, you know, when you hear brain tumor, it's now your second one, you think the worst. Mm -hmm. So I, I went, I had a full on meltdown. One o'clock in the morning, I called my sister and I had her come over to our warehouse where I was staying at the time and, and just broke, like trying to accept it. So anyways, we had our, we had our chat, finally got some sleep. And then at that point it was time to go tell Ariel because she was asking me questions about it and I kept blowing it off. I wasn't telling her over the phone or over text. There was no way in hell I would do that to her. So I got up in the morning, raced out there, and and she was eight months pregnant. So just to, to add insult to injury. <laughs> so we mm, so yeah. I drive out there. She's an hour away, and I told her I was coming out. I was on my way. And at that point, she started to get nervous because why are you not working? Why are you coming home? So... I, I got there and she could see it in my face and that's when the panic really set into her and I had to tell her that I now have a brain tumor again the size of a golf ball and the battle's not over yet because, you know, we don't know enough. So... I always have the image in my head of him dropping to his knees and our two and a half year old by my side and, and just holding, you know, what he told me and just saying, why? Like, yeah. I can't believe this. Yeah, you go through that stage of, you know, why me? Why is this happening to me? I was, you know, 33 Mm -hmm. at the time. I just had a brand new daughter and my wife is eight months pregnant. And I'm like, I have three people here now that depend on me. And something's trying to take that away. Like, I've got my family I want. And something's trying to take it from me. And that was kind of the start, the tank of my mental health, I would say, for for probably a year. So after I talked with, with Ariel... That's when, you know, we had our talk and that's, we, once we finally settled down and, and the emotional roller coaster kind of flattened out, we, we looked at each other and said, now we fight. We didn't know it was cancer at that point, but a brain tumor is a brain tumor. You still got to fight. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it was May 7th. It was the day after my diagnosis. That's as of then was when I stopped working because it was just, it was nasty. My my surgery I got the call for was supposed to be on May 19th, but there was a nasty storm which caused a bunch of 
nasty crashes on major highways and they kept pushing my surgery back because there were obviously priority surgeries coming in. So that pushed me off another two weeks, took me to May 26th, and then I went in for my surgery. Everything went fantastic. The doctor came in, very dry humor. (laughs) He sees me Mm. and and just to add a little humor into this that you might find funny, he looks at me and says, you're pretty pretty shitty luck for you, eh? (laughs) This is the first time I met the doctor. Yeah, it was funny, and he was like, he looks at me, and he turns my head to the side, and marks where where he's going to cut. And he's like, "Okay, I just got to go to the hardware store and grab an old one now, so I'll be back in a bit." <laughs> <laughs> so he thought he was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So we we go in, and I meet his his team. He's fantastic. His name sure. is Doctor Haran, and he's based out of uh, out of the Royal Columbian, and he is an amazing surgeon, incredible doctor. And I, I, I swear by this guy. His humor is dry, so you got to take him for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But his professionalism is amazing. I went in there and I was, you know, cracking jokes with his team. Next thing you know, I'm asleep, and then it feels like a couple minutes later, I'm awake and I'm staring at these guys. And uh, at that point, he looks at me and just says, "Congratulations! It was a successful resection." So. That they've got a hundred percent of that brain tumor out on on that resection, which was amazing. Yeah. What was your prognosis at that point? Were they saying you're in the clear, or that you need to have chemo, you need to have radiation, anything like that? They wouldn't tell me a thing. So we were left in the yeah. dark for a month. A month. Yeah. I was calling everywhere. I was calling BC Cancer. I was calling Doctor Brand. I was saying, well what's the biopsy what's going on and we couldn't get any answers no pathology report yet we're like we need some answers we're sitting here waiting to to hear if it was benign or malignant so you know we just kind of went on with our thing june 29th we got the phone call from dr haran and the first thing he says was has the cancer center called and i had no idea that the pathology report came back cancer. So I basically went white with chills because I had no idea. And I had to look at Ariel and I was on the phone, so I didn't want to say it out loud, but I made the mistake of saying, what does that mean for me? And as soon as I said that, she knew it was cancer and she broke. And then so... We found out it was cancer June 29th, and that's when we knew, you know, it was getting serious. Now it's time. I've got brain cancer. So let me rewind a tiny bit here. The reason it was such a shock to us is because when he was a child, they said it was benign. All the doctors didn't think it was cancer whatsoever. And we found out after the biopsy that, in fact, when he was a child, was cancerous, it was grade two. And they didn't want to do radiation or chemotherapy on a growing child. Mm-hmm. And they didn't tell his parents, so nobody knew. And so we didn't, they didn't even know to look out for it to grow back as cancerous later on. And another reason we were in shock is because in 2011, I believe, Giovanni, Giovanni had three seizures prior to his migraines that took him to the hospital. 
and each seizure, when we saw a neurologist or someone on the ER team, they did scans and every MRI report said that it was scar tissue and that his brain waves were different. It didn't mean he was epileptic, but it meant that he could have a seizure. And it was four years later is when he had his migraine so bad is when they found the tumor. And then when we saw somebody at BC Cancer finally, they said that it was clear as day that there was a tumor in his brain. In 2016, in, in that 2016. scan. Yeah. And yeah. they don't understand why neurologists had missed it over and over. Yeah, Dr. Haran said it's clear as day that that's a brain tumor, it's not scar tissue. And that was in 2016. And then the radiation oncologist showed us on the computer, scrolled from years prior to current of it growing, and you could see. When you've got this tumor removed, and they say it's successful, and then you finally yep. get the response that it is cancer, what do they propose from there, and what kind of prognosis are they giving you, et cetera? So they, they told me, they actually told me it was GBM at first, mm -hmm. because APXA apparently has a lot of very similar, I guess, tumor qualities to it. They actually had to take it to council and they didn't know. So they said, we'll give you a plan. But it was three months later, this time around, that we all had no idea what we were going to do with treatment because they so they took it to a board along with 10 different doctors. I had to do more biopsies, send it off. And then that's when they did come to the conclusion of APXA. Yeah, uh, grade three. Grade so they three, went down four. from grade four. So yeah. that's anaphylactic pleomorphic xanthoastrocytoma. Yeah. And the doctor said, say that 10 times fast. <laughs> yeah, um, no kidding. And then we got the call from BC Cancer. So this is, it was May 26th, and then it was August, end of August. Yeah. June, July, August, three months later, we're going to do mix of radiation along with temozolomide chemotherapy day. every day. And when you're in the shock of everything, you're just kind of going with what the doctors say. And you're you're like, okay, well, this is going to help me. This is going to prolong my life. What what other options are there? I'm just going to... Take it and yeah. accept it. You know, we, we... So I trusted traditional medicine or whatnot, mm -hmm. right? So I, I said, you know what? It's grade three brain tumor. Kind of in a way accepted the fact that my fate wasn't the greatest, which was horrible. But that mindset is what hits you when you when you get that first diagnosis, right? So uh, six weeks. Sorry, it started bringing back some bad memories here. So, yeah, that's uh, fine. It's all good. And then it, after that, they did a scan and they said they don't know if anything's gotten better or worse, but it brings burnt the side of his head and his hair wasn't coming back and the cancer still not. <laughs> still not and the cancer was still there so they proposed six months of temozolomide and that's 24 and five yeah so 20, 24 days off five on yeah. of a heavy dose and that made me extremely sick and that's when i started to i, I looked at her and i said to her i was like i need to get off of pharmaceuticals like all these, all the medications that they have me on, I feel like hell. I'm not present with my children. I'm not present with my wife. Like this stuff has got me so loopy that it's just, it's not what I want. It's not the quality of life I want. I will, I will suffer through some pain, 
and be normal than than be drugged up on that crap, right? <laughs> so, uh, well, all of the chemo and everything was going on, we were really lucky that our parents let us live at, at their house for a year in Mission. And the Abbotsford Center was really great. Everyone there, like we made friends with, we actually keep in contact with. And so we got through it all. Gino rang the bell and we were like, okay, let's move on and keep doing scans. And then we're like, let's make the move up to Gino's dream destination where he's always- Back home. Back home where he's always wanted to live. So we did that and we were like, okay, things are looking up. Things are okay. There was nothing in his brain at the time. Life was gold. <laughs> um, so we thought. They mm. thought the radiation and chemotherapy were supposed to keep the tumor from not coming back. It was to treat it because of this tumor. They they can they can only treat it to kind of hold it at bay. So you're going you're going through all all of this, and oh. you you're you're fed up with pharmaceuticals. How did cannabis enter the picture? This lady right here. <laughs> Ariel. So I never I never had anything against cannabis at all, but I, I never dabbled with it growing up. It's not that I, I thought it was, oh no, it's a legal drug, blah blah blah. I've never ever thought of it like that. I just it mm -hmm. didn't strike me as an interest. But then Ariel started doing all of this research once we got the the central nervous system diagnosis and she's like, Okay, I'm I'm researching cannabis. The benefits of, of the cannabinoids and and everything with cancer. Yeah, so that's she. Where I was going. We were going back to normal life, thinking everything was okay, and then Gino got the pain in his neck and back where he couldn't walk or anything, and all the doctors kept saying it's muscle related. So Giovanni was going to Cairo and and physio and massage and doing everything he could for months, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. And not one of them said to do a MRI scan. They said it, the particular type of cancer doesn't spread down anywhere through the body, body because yeah. it's hard to cross the blood-brain barrier. So they said, if you want an MRI, you're going to have to wait two months. And so we took matters into our own hands, and he went to get a private MRI. And that's when they told him that it actually, in fact, had spread into... Central nervous system. It, they call it leptomeningeal disease, LMD. And then they said there are three large tumors, neck, mid-spine, tailbone. And lumbar, yeah. Lumbar, where, again, we thought we were in the clear, so we were getting comfortable, we were okay, we thought, like, the radiation was hurting him, and then it was like, bam, no, this is way more serious than we think. And then I went into panic mode, and so did all of our friends, and we just started researching everything we possibly can, and I have to thank social media, because... It was actually, there was somebody that had a GoFundMe and her name, I'm going to say Kelly and Kayla. We have to thank them. They got us in touch with Dr. Hutchinson. And Kelly is a young girl who has a brain tumor in the middle of her brain. And she is taking suppositories and she talked to Corey Ellen and, and Dr. Hutchinson and they highly recommended Corey and that's when I reached out to you. Our guru. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at you. You're amazing. I feel fantastic. So what happened when you got on cannabis? Let's talk about what happened when you got on cannabis. You were doing, I think you were just, and then we started talking. I had a message from your wife saying, no, no, no. You got to do suppositories. Stronger. Bloody. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how much were you thinking? Yep. Talk us talk talk to the audience a little about that journey, please. Yeah, absolutely. So he was on hydromorphine, morphine, steroids, like fourteen oh. pills a day. Yeah. Um he was falling asleep talking to me. He couldn't walk. There was no quality of life. And I'm like, let's do something crazy and wean him off the opioids and go on high doses. Yeah. So we started off with, with just the pen for now at that point. And it was my birthday. We went on a camping trip and that's when I really started pushing with, with the pens and starting to use the cannabis. That was the first turning point in my, my journey here in beating cancer. So I we got to that camping trip by doing sponsoring three yeah, times a day. We they started what two weeks prior? Yeah. Yeah. Two hundred. Two, two weeks prior, two hundred milligrams, three times a day. And I think that's what got him to the turning point. Out of bed, yeah. Out of bed and just yeah. To yeah. where he could start smoking and oil. Right. So for listeners' sake, what he took was a four to one ratio of THC to C B D. And it's a multi-strain oil. And so were you doing suppositories morning, afternoon, evening? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. As well as the other stuff that I was doing. Like I was taking uh, Rick Simpson oil later on. Yeah. I started taking the Rick Simpson oil and, and gummies and whatnot. So I had a, I had a pretty, pretty good regiment going every night for sure when I, when I loaded up yeah. and feeling great. That was the first time I slept solid through the night in over a decade was when I dropped off the pharmaceuticals and started pushing harder mm-hmm. with the cannabis. Prior to his diagnosis, he didn't sleep very well. Yeah. So this not only helped him night. with his health this way, but body, mind, and soul, everything. Every- Anxiety, depression. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I started getting off of everything because <clears throat> I started feeling so good. When I was loaded up on all of these pills prior to cannabis, I went from 205 pounds when I was fit, you know, I, I felt great. I dropped down to 172 pounds. I haven't been that weight since grade 10. So I was, it was brutal. You know, I couldn't eat. I, I, I couldn't do anything. Yeah, they did radiation on my neck and they called it palliative care. And burnt my throat. When I was doing all the research, I said, I, I actually asked Gina, I said, please don't do the radiation this time. It's not, I believe with everything that I'm reading and talking to the doctors, they said it's not going to kill us cancer. It's not going to stop it. It's not going to slow it. All it's doing is going to help you with your pain. And you're on all these, all this medicine. Nothing is helping with your pain. Let's try something different. And he said, you know what, I, I believe in modern medicine, I'm going to try the radiation, and he did. And that was the sickest I've ever seen him. He, he, it burnt his throat, and that's why he lost so much weight, because he couldn't swallow, he couldn't talk. It, 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 like, yeah, trusting it really kicked my ass. It and, really did. And we didn't really see the benefits. Because it wasn't changing anything. Their tumors, they were still, they were still progressing. Everything was still, you know going as it was, the, the cancer was still spreading. The only thing that really changed everything was cannabinoids. Yep. High doses, Rick Simpson oil, suppositories made him who he is right now. Yeah, because my scan came back after after that radiation and, and all of the stuff that they had me on, 
they were they weren't even stable. They were still growing a bit. So that's when I looked at Ariel and I said, "This cannabis that you have been looking into, let's dive into it." And then I started I started getting into the high doses that Corey recommended. Of you said a gram a day. I'm probably at Almost gram and a half, gram and three quarters a day. Good. And you know, I I gained my weight back. Yeah, you look amazing. Um, so now I feel great thanks to you. I I really do have a lot of appreciation for you because of of this. You gave us such amazing information on this. And look at me. I'm not walking with a cane. I I'm back at the gym. You know, my pain level has reduced so much, and I'm off of everything that I possibly can, other than the the lamotrigine for epilepsy. They won't let me go off that. Yeah. I just want to interject here. A number of people have seen the entry of me that's just been released. In that, okay. doc, in that documentary, I talk about the fact that we dose two rectal and then a small oral dose at night. Since the filming of that, and certainly this was the case here, I suggest now three rectal doses, morning, afternoon, evening. And the reason I do that is because new knowledge shows that cancer is far more active and aggressive at night. So you want a good yeah. dose in at night as well, not some minuscule little dose. You want to do a minuscule oral dose on top of that suppository by all means do. But so that's why yeah. the three morning or the, why that was my recommendation to do three and not two. For sure. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Every Simpson oil, he takes about half. Half of the syringe each each time I take it, and it's morning, noon, and night. Yeah. So there's three times a day. Just so there's there's a gram and a half just in the Rick Simpson oil, and then there's everything else that I've been taking and as well. We now have from the suppositories. Contact five hundred milligram suppositories. And mm-hmm. so we're just gonna keep doing that and yeah. keep on a maintenance dose, and yeah, keep yeah. everybody updated with what's actually killing the cancer with the fact that these tumors have shrunk in my brain to where they can't see them in the cts and and then they're assuming that my spine is following suit until my next scan if you look at the timeline when i really started pushing with with the grandma day and weaning off of the hydromorphone the morphine and and all the opioids that's when you can see my health was advancing for the better i was starting to get back to me my pain level everything so if you look back at at when i as i was weaning off and then starting on the cannabis the the outcome was night and day Mm -hmm. so another thing is like going through all this your whole mind changes everything about your outlook on life changes mm -hmm. And not a lot of people should look at it as a drug. It's a plant. It's a medicine. It's here to, you know, help. And you don't have to get high. And no, that's right. And, and you know, looking looking at you, Gino, I, I don't know what you were like when you were on the pharmaceutical medications and you didn't have, you lost a lot of weight, but you look extremely healthy now. And you. You, you know, the last three interviews we've done, including yours, have been with husband and wife. And I've got to tell you that 
the wives have made just an enormous difference in the life yeah. of their spouse. And if it wasn't, don't you agree, Corey, if it no, wasn't absolutely. for the wife. And it was Miss Ariel that contacted me. She was the one that was all over, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think you've, you, you found a winner. Yes. I will say, I didn't think there was a level of respect that was higher than the respect I already had for her. And then yeah. going through this, there, like, it, she created her own level of respect. You know, yeah. it's what she did for, she saved my life. You know, if it wasn't for her contacting you and, and David Hutchison, I probably wouldn't be here right now. I wasn't letting, letting him go. Yeah. I was like, no, nope, you're yeah. not leaving me. I need, I need you here. You promised to grow old with me. <laughs> yeah, your perspective on life changes once you've gone through what you've gone through, doesn't it? Oh, does it ever. <laughs> it was a complete life shift. I mean, our diet, we changed our diet. We're, we're rabbits now, pretty much. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's, you know, I've... I actually really enjoy the the plant-based diet. I still dabble with, with fish and the occasional chicken, but cutting out the red meat, getting onto the plant-based, even for my, sorry, my treatment, I'm doing plant-based. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was great to talk to you and both of you. And, uh, yeah, I knew as well. Sorry if I babbled on, on too much. <laughs> no, you didn't babble on. That's why it's a podcast. You can say what you want. Keep in touch. I know Corey is going up where you live in the summer, so she'll have a chat with you. Show you our uh, grounds. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on you to make sure that Ariel's got you where it's she that. wants you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but if we can say anything, we can say fuck cancer. <laughs> yeah. And, and I will say as somebody who never, never dabbled with anything to do with cannabis growing up, I swear by this now. I absolutely swear by it. You know, I, I wish I tried it years ago because just with anything, even with the anxiety, you know, you just, you take a little bit and you feel amazing. You're not high. You just, it, mm -hmm. it calms you. Yeah. So you know, thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. You are Bye. welcome. I can't <laughs> wait to meet you. August, mid-August, I'm coming up. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, folks. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you bringing it. Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already. And we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. That helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.